live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to discuss in land of movies, TV, comics, and more, so definitely join in the conversation on social media because we love interacting with you. So you can find all our links and so much more at OchoDuroParleyHour.com and always remember to use the hashtag ODPH. So let us kick off this edition of the ODPH podcast talking mm-hmm. WandaVision. Now, you know if you're a longtime listener of the show, we have been recapping and deep diving into each episode. So let us continue that streak. So if you have not been familiar with what is going on in the MCU's return to Disney Plus and the masses, we are giving you fair warning now. We are talking spoilers. So if you haven't seen it, pause this episode because we're going to start deep diving in Three, two, one. Pad, what did you think about episode five titled on a very special episode? Uh, This was the best episode thus far of the season. Uh, It was a great mix of the sitcom, you know, you know, family ties, uh, I think was the one they were paying homage to this episode. Uh, And, you know, a whole bunch of other 80s uh, sitcoms. You know, it was it was fun to see that. Uh, obviously the stuff at the end, holy good goddamn. Uh, but then I also enjoyed that, you know, I was, I was a little worried, I guess I could say that we were going to go back to the format we knew where it was a couple episodes of the sitcom, then another commercial quote unquote commercial interruption, you know, filling what's going on. But I was happy to see they were kind of balancing the two, uh, out between each other. This episode, I have to agree, has been the best thus far. The journey of Wanda Maximoff, played by Elizabeth Olsen, has been nothing short of a trip in insanity mm-hmm. mixed in with the magic of television. Uh-huh. And that is probably putting it mildly. Because where we have picked off from Wanda since Avengers Endgame, she is now in what we thought was a time warp yep. or an alternate dimension. Let's do the time. Sorry, I had to. Oh, you had to go there, didn't you? Yep. She, we now see that she is in her own little world, titled Westview. Mm-hmm. It's located in New Jersey. Yep. It has been the hot spot of some activity that has caused the organization known as SWORD yep. to appear and start watching. It was, it was a missing per- it started as a missing persons, uh, keyword being plural case. It got the FBI involved. So uh, they uh, SWORD found out about it. And whenever and SWORD got brought into it, which is never a good thing. Uh, so so uh, Monica Rambeau met up with the FBI agent, Jimmy Wu, who, of course, we know from Ant-Man. Uh, shenanigans in, uh, in, ensued. Uh, and then SWORD really got involved. Yes, because S.W.O.R.D. is definitely starting to amp up their tactics in mm-hmm. stopping Wanda from whatever she's doing. Yep. Because as far as they know, there are many lives in danger and the fabric of reality is at stake. Yeah, because I, I know the theory I had and a few other people had going into this was maybe they're just, you know, the people are just constructs, something Wanda created to kind of keep up the facade of what was going on. I know at one point a lot of people, including myself, thought, well, maybe they're dead people that she's just kind of brought in to, again, keep up the facade. No, they're live people. Wanda's powers are very tricky to describe. Uh-huh. 
often titled Hex Powers. Yep. She has probability manipulation. She can do quite a lot if she really puts her mind to it. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of been an open door of where the creative teams in the comics have wanted to go with her yeah. writing. Yeah, That she has always been that character that could obviously take out the entire heroes of the Marvel Comics universe if she wanted to. Mm-hmm. And even at one point has. Yeah. It's just one of those tricky situations that with her powers, you really have to really explain them very well. Yeah, it almost to a degree reminds me of some of the early comics with Superman where it was like mm-hmm. very overpowered, you know, could virtually take out and take on anyone without any real limitations behind him, but obviously not in the same vein with Wanda. Right. Obviously that was a long time ago because it just seemed that Superman would develop powers wherever yeah. he needed to. Yeah. And I know that was streamlined, I want to say, by John Byrne, actually, who really yeah. kind of honed in on the character and really said, okay, this is the limitations, this is what you can do, this is what you can't. Because like, if you're not familiar, Superman would literally get into a situation where, let's just say, uh, he's going up against the, a guy who's made out of molten lava. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, oh, hey, I have this power that just happens to work against molten lava men. Yeah. But they have cleaned that up in DC, and like I say, John Byrne, I believe, is the architect behind that. And for Wanda, we're kind of seeing where her powers can reach, and they've Mm -hmm. definitely grown leaps and bounds from just being a side character in the Avengers from all these years. Most notably is we see the return of the Vision, played by Paul Bettany, in her world. And obviously, knowing their history throughout the comics, you know that they are very synonymous. And where you see one, you usually see the other around. Yeah, it's, it's kind of one of those romance stories you'd see in books or something like that, where they start as acquaintances, you know, then they're, and they're co-workers type of deal. And then, all right, one likes the other, but the other one doesn't quite feel the same way about the other one, too, where they, oh, they both like each other. Right, but when it comes to a mutant and meeting a synthoid android... yeah. Uh, let's just get weird and let's just call it comics, folks. Yeah, I had I had to try and explain that one to my parents because I watched it a second time when I was over watching the Super Bowl with my parents before the game started. And my I was kind of my mom was asking some questions and she goes, "Now whose kids are, kids are they?" And I go, "Oh, they're they're Wanda's. They're the girls." And she goes, "Now who's the father?" Uh, I go, "Oh, they're Visions." I go, "They're the purple looking guys." She goes, "How does that work?" I go, "Listen, it's comics. Just let it go." Right. They have explained it in comics, and I'm just going to leave it at that. But this is where Sword is watching because the Vision has been presumed dead. Mm-hmm. Why is he back? Why is there a town that nobody recognizes on a map existing and flourishing, but yet traveling through time? Well, I mean, there ain't no presumed dead in that statement based off of what we saw in the episode, but we'll get to that. Exactly. So S.W.O.R.D. is there. They brought in many familiar faces throughout the MCU. We see the return of Darcy Lewis, played by Kat Jennings. Or Kat Dennings. We see Monica Rambeau. Aged from where we saw her in Captain Marvel. Yep. Played by Tiana Paris, who's actually been who's been crushing this. Fantastic. Role. Been absolutely fantastic in this. And we see Randall Park resuming his role as Jimmy Woo. Who's so, mastered the shorthand or uh magic. Yes. So we do see some familiar faces deep diving in, and this episode takes us on the journey to the eighties. Yep. Because where we have started in the nineteen fifties, we traveled through the decades of television, and now we are back to our regularly scheduled programming. Because last episode they took a little side trip where we explained Monica Rambeau's history uh-huh. and how she's now connected. But now we are going back into Wanda's world. And this kicks off with a fantastic montage from the 1980s, yeah. bringing you a lot of Family Ties vibes. Yep. Absolutely brilliant opening, too. Oh, yeah. For this yeah. Week. Definitely want to give some props out for that. But where we jump in, it's a, set in the 1980s, and we see that Wanda is trying to stop her children from crying because she now has... Infant children, yep. infant twins, yep. Tommy and Billy. Yep. 
And going through the, the experience that I'm sure every parent can relate to that they can't get them to sleep. Nothing is working. They try the binkies. They've tried food. They've tried everything. And the kids just won't sleep. Exactly. At this point, we see the nosy neighbor, Agnes, appear. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, Catherine Han, whenever she's on the screen, she is definitely stealing the moment. Oh, yeah. And she has definitely not let it down. She's been trying to jump in and help and be the neighbor that you see in all those typical sitcoms. Oh, yeah. But it's but it's also the nosy neighbor helping people out, always being there. But it's also that, like, she, I fully believe, we don't know who she is or what she is, I guess we could say. Mm-hmm. She fucking knows. There's there's the one line where somebody goofed and it's almost like one of those you know you watch SNL things and they kind of just play it off and keep going and she just goes you want to take that from the top yeah and I'm sitting there going wait a good god minute exactly because it seems that the facade that is going on in Westview mm-hmm. is now cracking yeah and more characters are picking up on this most notably the vision yeah and the other thing i think we should know is wanda's powers at least in when it comes to the kids are on the fritz yeah because she tries you know i she says at one point i think it's before agnes shows up that you know uh vision goes to get the binkies Mm -hmm. and and she goes i know they say no shortcuts but you know we're desperate times desperate measures and she does you know the little flick of the wrist and you know tries to get use her magic to get the kids to sleep but there's this sound effect of like it just won't happen and she's like, huh? And she tries it two or three times, and it doesn't affect them. Right. So it's a very interesting play that they do because no matter what's going on, Wanda is using her powers. Yeah. And it almost seems that she doesn't have enough energy in her to pull this off. And it, and it does it. It does it seem like to you? Because I picked up on this the second time watching the episode. Does it seem like she's getting giving a little more carefree? Like she just don't give a you know what? Who sees what she does? Because before when it started, it's like, you know, I think back to the first episode where they were making dinner for Vision's boss and his Mm -hmm. wife, where she's, you know, trying to use her magic to make dinner and and make everything quicker and knives and and cutlery and all this are flying across the kitchen and the little window opens up and it's all of a sudden like, oh, hey, we got to stand there and distract. And she full blown stops like, uh, what do I, but then Agnes shows up now, obviously we know something's up with Agnes, but Agnes shows up and she just conjures whatever was out of thin air. Like Envision brings it up and goes, I thought we agreed to keep this on the down low, like, you know, not use our powers out in the open. And she's like, ah, who cares? I think Wanda is now falling in love with the world she lives in. I could be. And I think that she is feeling very comfortable there. Mm-hmm. That before she would have to really worry yeah. about some somebody picking up on things. Yeah. That I think that now she's thinking that nobody realizes what's going on but her. Because even you think to the, uh, what was it, the second episode in the magic show, where mm-hmm. Vision starts using magic, his, his powers, and she starts conjuring up ways to explain it, where it's like, oh, hey, we got to keep this secret. We got to do this. We got to do that. And now she's like, I think it's partially that. I think it might partially also be she's starting to lose it a little bit. Well, that is a big thing, too, because as we see as the episode goes on, one minute her children are infants. Yep. And then suddenly they're aged to five years old each. Good God. Which is a little creepy. Yeah. If you really want to put it into context. But yeah. time is moving at a very unique pace. Well, so these kids are like four days old. Exactly. So something is going wrong, but yet everybody else is just going along with it. Well, and, and, I, and I think everyone, even if you're not the biggest diehard comic fan or, you know, I read theories on the Internet fan. If you're even just familiar with, you know, stories and what have you with superheroes like they have kids, you would almost figure they're going to have powers to a degree. I mean, you look at uh, Superman's kid. 
uh, Jonathan can, you know, has powers. Damian Wayne has some of the same skill set his father does. You mm-hmm. know, you go you go through the lineage, and it's like okay, you'd figure they'd have some kind of powers, but even with these two, it's like what the hell is up with you? Well, how the twins came to be, it's unknown to the viewers right. at this moment. Right. If you know the comics, you have an idea where everything's going. But we'll get there when we get there. But as we see going to the show, though, the children are now aging. Mm-hmm. A dog magically appears at the house. Yeah, with the classic sitcom moment. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something we haven't seen before, per se, in yeah. Wanda's world, but right. we've seen it on television oh, yeah, numerous yeah, times. Yeah. And Agnes suggests the name Sparky. Yep. Do you think there's any hidden meaning behind that? <laughs> well, I think if you read uh, the Tom King vision book, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So there's a little moment there that definitely stuck of, to my eyes and pads as well about this. So we just got to say, if you haven't read Tom King's The Vision. You should. You need to read The Vision. So as we see, the dog is now part of the family. Yep. And we also see that the boys are aging yet again. Yeah, cool. Because initially it's, you know, oh, you're too young. It's a lot of responsibility. You're not ready yet. And, she, and you know, oh, the, every parent, I think, has done this. You mm-hmm. know, kid asks for something he, that's going to be a huge responsibility. You know, all parents says, oh, not till you're in the vision. Just kind of is a <clears throat> you know, oh, not till you're 10 years old. And they just kind of look at each other, grin, and they go, no, 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 no. And they age up to 10 years old again in front of Agnes. And Agnes just goes... And I and I gotta love the way she delivered this line. Well, let's hope the you know the they're the only thing that grows up in size or something like that. Or like the dog doesn't grow up in size. Yeah, Catherine Hahn definitely was hitting her points on this uh-huh. entire dialogue. And as we see though, Vision is going to work. Yep. And he receives an email. Yeah. And who does that email come from? Uh one Dr. Darcy Lewis. And it's not just Vision, it's the entire office. Yes. So everybody is now getting tipped off about what is going on, that you're living in a fantasy world. And they're all creepily reading it together. Exactly. Out loud. Which Which I get it's the eighties. I mean, there was kind of there were kind of those tropes you saw in real life and on TV with the eighties. Oh, I have electronic mail. Let me get my letter opener. Mm-hmm. You know, oh this that I'm like, okay, tropes of when first computers first came out. They weren't all reading the email at the same time, you know, with that stuff in the 80s. Exactly. But Vision really nails this point home of, like, how dire the situation has now uh-huh. become. Because when he touches the forehead of a coworker, Yep. Norm, and, I believe is his yeah, name. And uses his powers, he breaks the, sci- the psychi- er, psychic. psychic link. Yeah. Because I was going to say psionic. I, I missed this the first time. Yeah. And you just see him start going, oh, my God, what's going on? But the pain, the pain. And he starts having a meltdown. I gotta, I gotta talk to my sister. My sister's watching, or I, th- I think he said his father was ill or terminally ill or something like that. Mm-hmm. I gotta get a hold of my sister. Where's my phone? And he's like, "Whoa, whoa, calm down. Wait, what?" He's like, "You know, everything's okay." And and it was because I think on some level the inhabitants know what's going on. Yeah. Because at no point did Norm, uh, played by Asaf Ali, uh, say, "Where am I? What is this? What, what have you?" He's just like he knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is obviously a big clue of the mystery of Westview. Mm-hmm. And on the other side of the energy field, S.W.O.R.D. is making their plans to really try figuring out what's going yeah. on. Yeah. And they try sending in yet another drone. Yep. Which the first time this happened did not end well. No. The second time they go in... It went even worse. It went even worse because they send in 
one that has a weapon on it. Yeah, and it, and it looks like one of those if you've ever seen them on, you know, TV shows or in movies. It looks like a military drone that you see in a field of war type of thing. And I'm like, oh, that can't be good. Like I, I get why they're using it. They explain it. Oh, if it goes in there and it's from that decade, it'll be fine. But I saw that thing and I'm like, there's no way that thing isn't armed. No, it definitely isn't. But this is where the director Hayward is really trying to grasp the situation mm-hmm. and is almost showing a sign of panic. Yeah, I would say he's definitely grasping at straws and trying to get a handle on something he has zero handle on. Yes, because Monica Rambeau is trying to explain the situation that if she can talk to Wanda, there's a reason she was kept alive. Right, and the, and the entire time Hayward's like wanting to get her and take her out, if at all possible, because uh, back towards the beginning of the episode... Uh, there's a morning meeting, everybody's there, it's kind of filling everybody in on the blank, and Hayward brings up, listen, Wanda is a, and other divergent, because I just thought of it, we almost got her nickname dropped. Yes. Because uh, Hayward is talking to Jimmy Woo and goes, you know, oh, she have a nickname? He goes, no, no, she just, so I think we're going to get her Scarlet Witch nickname before this show is over. Oh, I think we definitely are, too. Um, but he brings up, she's a terrorist, blah, 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 and, and Monica goes, no, I don't think she's a terrorist, da, 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 da. And then we get a callback to older comics, uh, and they, you know, oh, uh, I forget who he said. I think it was the guy. He goes, the government just gave me permission to show you this uh, footage. And it's footage from a a secure sword facility where they had the body of Vision disassembled and and picking it apart. Wanda comes in, wrecks shop, and takes him. And, And Monica goes, well, when was this? Nine days ago. Yeah. So things are moving very quickly. Things are definitely moving very, very quickly. And for the gravity of the situation, S.W.O.R.D. wants to wrap this up quickly. Uh-huh. They're the ones that are saying that Wanda's going to tear through all of reality, that she is the one that is the big problem here, mm-hmm. that they really have everything figured out. And it's very cool to kind of see how they're just taking this situation and not really waiting per se, because the only one that's trying to really make peace about this right. is is Monica Rambeau. And she's saying, listen, if we talk to her, we can get this figured out. But director Hayward, who's played by Josh Stamberg, is really trying to say the point of, okay, here's the footage of her breaking in and stealing the Vision's body. We now know what her powers are capable of. We need to figure this out. So when they right. send in the drone, Monica's trying to talk to Wanda via the drone, and all of a sudden Hayward takes it over. And yeah. this becomes probably my favorite point of the entire episode. Mm-hmm. That when Wanda takes out the drone, yep, she doesn't just take out the drone. She takes, she cuts the wings off. She cuts the wings off and comes out of Westview. Yep, into present time. Which gotta ask, why, sort? You're going like a hundred feet. You really gotta bring in the SUVs. Seems like overkill. Well, I You're think, right there. I think Hayward doesn't know what he's doing. No, he she, is the quote-unquote acting director. Exactly. So he is just panicking and trying to throw anything against the wall and hope it sticks. But he is very much outpowered and outmatched in this situation. And when Wanda comes out, she has the broken drone and throws it right at his feet. Yeah. You leave me alone, I'll leave you alone. Exactly. So she goes back to her accent She goes back to present time, Yep, and she is basically saying, if you leave me alone, you'll be fine. And she, and she, it's, you know, she even gives a more thinly veiled threat, well, not so thinly veiled threat, where she controls the mind of the sword agents who are all there armed, Mm -hmm. 
which you got to remember before now, she needed to get close to somebody and, and kind of touch their head and do the whole thing. Now she don't need to do that. Yes. Which is wild. And she takes control of all the armed sword agents where they're, you know, rifles and, and laser on the bottom of their guns pointed at her. And they all flip and pointed at him. And he goes, whoa, 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 stand down, stand down. Right. So this is a throwback to a scene from X-Men. Ooh, interesting. Now, now if you think about it, when Ian McKellen played Magneto. Yes. The first time. Masterfully. Yes. And remember in the movie, I believe it was the first one, when they had the guns drawn on him mm-hmm. and he flipped them all back on the, yes, the guards. Yes, he pulled them out of their hand. Exactly. Yeah, okay. This was a little throwback to it because okay. if you know the history of Wanda and Magneto from the comics. Spoiler alert, she's her, uh, his daughter. Yes. I say spoiler alert, but that was called out years oh, ago. Oh, yeah, it's not a super spoiler. But it was a throwback that I think is going to play more into to the show oh, absolutely. as we move on. Because once Wanda returns into Westview, after pulling off this dramatic scene, which I have to say, if you didn't understand how serious she is and had any questions about what she's been oh, doing, yeah, yeah. oh, this is completely explains it. There is one little factor we'll get into at the end of the show, uh, the end of the segment about, though, because we'll break it down a little deeper. But once she goes back into Westview, though, she finds out that Sparky has died. Well, he's gone missing because uh, right before she went out into the quote-unquote real world, they were sitting in the house, and, and the kids, Billy and, and Billy and uh, Tommy. Tommy, were showing, oh, hey, we've trained the dog. It can do tricks now. And some, they hear the drone going overhead. She goes to inspect it. She opens the door, and the dog goes running. Yeah. Their dog goes running. So the dog has gone missing. So, of course, being the, you know, the parental unit she is, uh, they go looking for the dog. And there's an interesting moment with the mailman mm. as they're going down the street, and you know they're calling, Sparky, Sparky, Sparky. And the mailman goes, oh, what's wrong, guys? Oh, we lost our dog. Oh, don't worry. Your mom wouldn't let that happen. You'll find him. Yeah. Not your mom will help you find him. Your mom wouldn't let that happen. Interesting choice of words, my my friend. Exactly. The dialogue for this was very. This is one of those instances, like in other shows, they're not just picking words out for fun and giggles. This Uh, is very deliberately chosen. I was going to say it's very deliberate in their statements because they want to keep you guessing. And that's one thing that WandaVision has been doing since the jump. They have everybody on edge because once you find out that the dog has passed. Right. Well, it's basically brought up, well, you can just bring him back to life, can't you? It doesn't work that way. Well, so she claims. So she claims. So she claims. So once Vision starts talking to her about what's going on, Later that night, they nearly have a battle mm-hmm. because this is when Vision is saying, this world isn't right. Yeah. And I know what's going on. Yeah. And it's not the reality that is supposed to be here. And Wanda is not hearing one word of this. And I think we got a little peel back without saying as much as to what the state of Vision is, now whether he's dead or alive. I think it's a new iteration. Because you think of the dialogue he said. Now, this could entirely just be Wanda is suppressing the memories. Mm-hmm. But you will think back to when they have this argument. That say he brings up Norm, and I, un- I unearthed his, his actual personality or whatever. That you weren't controlling him, and you're hurting him, and yada, yada, yada. And he go, you know, he brings up memories. He goes, I have no memories before Westview. I don't remember anything. You know, what happened before Westview? I think it's a new body that somehow, you know, like that they were transferring his conscience or his program or whatever into, into the new body. But 
I think it's a new body. It's not all the Rama thought. I will say that. And it gets a little tricky about this. Sure. But it's you're on the right path because what I think is going on. But before the battle happens here, though, because I think this is the biggest moment that everybody was talking about on, on social media and Twitter stop for a moment, mm-hmm. which I will give another th- piece of advice to. If you don't watch WandaVision, the first thing you do Friday morning, yeah, stay off social media. Yeah, I was up at 5.30 because I had to be to work at 7 a.m. So after getting up and making my breakfast, uh, I hopped down. And because I had, I knew, I know because of with uh, Mandalorian to mm. not open social media, even as far as to check my memories on Facebook, that something's going to be there. And I'm glad I didn't because I finished, I started the episode at about 5.35, 5.36, finished at about 10 after 6, opened Twitter, went into the searching and saw the trends, and there were two things right there that I'm like, holy shit, that's a spoiler. Yeah. And we get that spoiler because when the door is knocked. Because seemingly anytime Wanda is stressed, Agnes is there to bail her out and kind of defuse the situation. Mm-hmm. So we hear the doorbell ring and Vision, all, all, without saying as much, she just looks at her and goes, well, that's convenient. Yeah. And, and Wanda goes, that's not me. That wasn't me. And he, she goes, you don't believe me, do you? And Vision goes, Wanda, I think if I if I did believe you, I'd be ignoring statistics altogether. Yeah. And once she goes to the door... She sees a familiar face, question mark? Yeah, well, she sees a face that she kind of stops and goes, and you see the back of the head. God damn it, the editing on this frustrated the hell out of me because instead of seeing who it is, they cut back to the real world and everyone's running around. You see Darcy running to the TV screen, cut back, pans out a little bit more, and then the camera flips around, and it's Evan goddamn Peters. Yes. Quicksilver from the X-Men Fox films. The best Quicksilver. Holy shit. Yeah. This was heavily rumored it was going to happen, but, you know, rumors until you see them happen. Yeah. You just got to wait and see. But he's standing there at the end of the episode. There's a hug. What? what, Can a a long-lost brother hug his his gosh darn sister? Yeah. Little Boston accent going. Yeah. It was was a cool play that he did, and, and Peters obviously has been epic in the role oh yeah absolutely one of the best parts of the x-men franchise on fox oh absolutely and he even sees vision he says refers to him as a popsicle yeah which who's the popsicle could be taken a different way as well too yeah and then the episode fades yeah so hi multiverse we're here yeah so pad let us break down some more theories and spoilers on the on the end cap here okay because i mean well first and foremost Episode was great. Oh, we, yeah. We were both in agreement about it. Fucking this. fantastic. But now we have a bunch of questions that have to get answered. One, Quicksilver from the X-Men universe yeah. is now in the MCU question mark. Yep. Thoughts? Uh, very interesting. I think if you take what Wanda said to her kids that you can't, you know, oh, we can't bring anyone back uh, as fact, uh, it seems like for whatever reason, whether it was her or a larger entity at work. I'm not saying it's anybody, just if there was a larger entity at work, it brought in a Quicksilver. You know, very interesting because if they're quick, if if they kind of take everything we know about comics and throw it out the window that, oh, nobody's ever truly dead unless your names are Martha and Tom Wayne or Ben Parker, you know, you can come back. 
it's it's very interesting that oh if he is actually there you know their version is actually dead now it's going to be evan peters it's a very interesting way they did this because especially darcy had the comment oh they recasted pietro yeah so you know that in the mcu they didn't just recast oh yeah this is a new Quicksilver. Oh, yeah, because they know, at least S.W.O.R.D. and the people who were at the meeting, and obviously the Avengers will know who her Pietro is. Mm-hmm. It was in the it was in the footage at the meeting towards the beginning of the episode. Right. So they know what he looks like. They know who he is. So for her to sit there and go, oh, shit, they, you know, to Darcy, it's just, oh, they recast. It's somebody else. But to us who know a little bit more and, you know, we're the third person looking in or whatever. We know, oh shit, that's somebody from another uh, universe. Right. So we know that there is a new version. Mm-hmm. Now, does this open the multiverse and is this a quick, easy out for explaining mutants in the MCU? Maybe. 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 It, it definitely is. So where they want to go in the direction of this is still anybody's guess. I mean, you could very easily say that because of them using the Infinity Stones three times at mm-hmm. the least that I can think of offhand that we know of anyway, yeah. that you know, all the, all the radiation and all the, this, that, and the other, that like something as a result of that pulled in a couple of different universes or people from those universes and pulled them into that dimension. So that could very easily be your way to bring them in. It'd be a quick way to do it. I don't necessarily know if that would be the way I'm still banking. This is the way that, <laughs> Well played. Thank you. I still banking though that they're going to introduce mutants and Eternals. Oh, probably. I th- I think that's almost as safe of a lock as you can get. But I do think it's interesting though with the line about did you recast Pietro? Mm-hmm. Because could it be another character? Could be. Now, there are a couple theories that we have about this. One of which, it could be Agnes, who is just trying to could reappear be. but yet not reappear. And help out Wanda when she needs her most. If that's the case, show up as James Spader, please. Well, that's another theory. Because he could be lurking about as an Ultron that we don't know in this universe. Oh, that's some that's some low blow shit. If it's Ultron disguising himself as P- Oh my god. It's not That'll all, really send her off the deep end. It's not all the realm of thought because one thing we know about Ultron is Ultron doesn't really die. Nope. He's like a rash. He keeps coming back. Exactly. So is it safe to say he could be in Westview? Could be. Yeah, I think so. I don't know necessarily if he would be, but there are a couple characters we haven't seen yet. One of which has been Agnes's husband, Ralph. Yeah, he keeps getting mentioned, but uh, not, I've never seen him. He does keep getting mentioned. I maintain the man don't exist. No, I think he does, but I'm not sure exactly who he is. Okay. I If I have to make an official guess on it, I am going to say he is Mephisto. Ooh, Okay. And I think that they're going to kind of write around the Avengers West Coast story. Sure. Involving uh, Master Pandemonium and Mephisto and, okay. and that. Okay. What, like, let me just put it this way. When we start dealing with Wanda's kids in Avengers West Coast. Right. When we say, let's get weird. Yeah. We're not understating this. Talk to JVD from Villains Demand and uh, Crossover Collision. He'll tell you firsthand. Talk to Brian Wayne from Cheers to Comics. He'll tell you firsthand. Right. You talk to any comic book fan that knows that story, and they will say, yeah, that shit's weird. And it is. Yeah. Now, would they get this weird on WandaVision? Maybe. Maybe. But I think, though, 
we will see Mephisto in mention name. Like, okay. we might see the shadow of him. Okay. I don't think we're going to see that casting just yet. Does he have... Um, now, I've not read every Mephisto thing ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, does he have a nickname of sorts that, or something that, like, kind of like how some in some instances, like... Like Lord of the Rings is the one that comes to mind. Like Sauron's got a couple different names that, like, yeah, he, he's got a couple. Like, so that. it could very easily be a thing that, like, we hear the name dropped that Marvel fans who've read the comics and know the name go, "Oh shit, they just dropped Mephisto's nickname." Without fully naming him. Yeah, they'll do something like that. I, I fully think they will because I think with how they're going to explain Wanda's boost in powers, right? He's got to be connected somehow that I, I'm now fully buying into that. I know with how it's been in the comics, too, there is another ploy they could go with. Okay. But I don't know if they're going to do that. And what I mean by this is if you know the story in Avengers West Coast, mm-hmm. you know that there is a character by the name of Amortis sure. involved. Okay. He is tied to Kang the Conqueror. Mm, okay. Now, are we playing chess instead of checkers if they decide to do this right maybe but i don't know if they would do that with the mcu as in the cinematic universe fans Mm -hmm. yeah because that might be a little tough to explain in one season we have not heard this going past two seasons i don't think it's going past one season i don't think it can go past one season i I mean i would not it'd be great but shenanigans would have to ensue for them to do that right and we have to see how this all plays out with Doctor Strange Cause, 2. Right, because this has got to come out. Something's got to happen in Doctor Strange 2 and possibly Spider-Man 3 mm-hmm. for it to warrant. See, because this season is directly leading into what happens in, in you know, this is almost a prequel to Doctor Strange 2, which is going to probably lead into Spider-Man 3. So something's got to happen in there for it to warrant them doing another season. Yeah, it definitely could. So well, I th- if they do the spinoff with Jimmy Woo and Darcy, I'm all for that. Well, I, I fully think that's going to be Agents of Sword. Oh, okay. I that'll be my unofficial prediction because the buzz coming out of this show for those characters to be involved in an MCU project and Kat Dennings also said she's down for it. Oh yeah. Like she said whenever Marvel wants her to come back just let her know oh, she's yeah. she's in for it. Yeah. I think there's enough hype around it that they could definitely spin that out and especially if you really want to establish a cosmic presence. Yeah. Because that's what Sword is at Pretty the end much. of the day Pretty in the comics, yeah. Yeah. And you're going to be doing secret invasion. There's places to do this. But with how they're set up for WandaVision, though, I think that to really hone in on Wanda's story, they're going to have to tie up a couple loose ends. Sure. Mephisto is one of them. Yeah. I think it makes uh, it's an easy play if they want to do that. But I think that they would not just have it be a random character. Right. That I think they really want... if. If they're going to have Mephisto be in more films, they're going to have yeah. somebody a big announcement. They'll make a big splash about oh, it. Oh, sure. Because he'll be one of the big next MCU villains. Oh, yeah. There is another theory, too, though, that I don't know if they would necessarily do because, yet again, this yeah. replies with rights. Yeah, well, and of, let me let me just say with Mephisto, if, and Marvel, if you're listening, uh, take my advice. If you're going to do Mephisto, slow burn it. Yeah. Don't do like some of the X-Men films did with some of their villains, which arguably should have been slow burns. Dark Phoenix, mm-hmm. Apocalypse, just to name a few. Do a slow burn because Mephisto is not a, a not a character that you can just name drop, bring him in hardcore in the next movie, and just, okay, we're done. Right. No, they definitely will have to slow burn it. This has to be like a Thanos. Now, I'm not saying Thanos long, 
but this has to be a Thanos-like build. Yeah, no, I definitely wouldn't argue. It would have no issue with that, and that's what you need to do. You need to really establish these villains because when you're bringing in the Marvel version of Satan himself, like that's just not a thing. Oh yeah, let's just bring him in, and, and we're done with him after one movie. And well, the the thing with him too is he ties into a lot of other superheroes, Spider-Man. I fear they're going that route too, though. Uh, no, no, that's I will not be happy about that. I do not like omit. Yeah. Om- omit angers me a lot as a comic uh, fan. Like between that and the Clone Saga, yeah, those are probably the two Spider-Man books. I'm just like, I wish I never read. Sure, to be honest about it. But what I also think could be a dark horse candidate for Ralph. Okay, I don't know if they have the rights to say the name. Yeah, Victor Von Doom. Well, no, they do right now. It's 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 Fox, right? But I'm just I'm not sure when the show was filmed. If they well, no, they filmed they filmed the uh, last year. All right, then or something. No, they no they're at, they're at liberty. Because I would say if they want to say Doom is the one kind of connected here, I'm just going to throw that out there. Like there the his the mystery of Ralph is going to solve up a lot, I and mean, it's going to raise more questions too. If they are tying this into Avengers Disassembled, which we've been I've been saying for since the jump, we've been talking about it here all the time. You know that there is certain villains that are involved with this. Doom is one. Where they want to play from this is anybody's guess. But this also stems to what happens now with Pietro, and is this a doorway to just kind of really easy bring in characters from the X-Universe? It could be. Could be. I mean, it definitely could be. Also, explaining who Agnes is, too, is going to be a little tricky as well. I'm still saying she's Agatha Harkness. Could be. Yeah, I'm I'm not switching off that stance. Could Agatha be working for Mephisto? Yeah, absolutely. You never know what's going to happen there or how Wanda got the power boost because that's the big key. Somebody has to be backing her about this. If it's not Mephisto, it could be Dormammu from Doctor Strange. Yeah, yeah. I'll even throw another candidate out there that nobody's talking about, and that's Baron Mordo. Okay. I'm doing doing some digging on the whole uh, Von Doom thing if they had the rights. Okay. So... Disney, because I had to dig it up because I couldn't remember off the top of my head. Disney acquired Fox uh, on March 20th of 2019. Uh, according to the WandaVision Wikipedia page, uh, the show was announced on, uh, with, quote, with the official announcement of the series on April t- in April 2019. Okay, so they could use it. So, so yeah, so April, May, June, you know, uh, March, April, May. So if they started writing around that time, they would have they been okay to use uh, the Bond new name. And it would be a smart play to do if they just want to mention the name. That he's connected. And it's a name that even casuals will go, oh, shit. Well, that is that is the, no pun intended, endgame of the MCU. You have to have the Avengers versus Doctor Doom. Oh, yeah. I understand Fantastic Four, and I get that, but Doom is Doom. Doom is the franchise guy. Uh-huh. Mephisto is a cool villain, but he ain't Doom. Doom Doom's the moneymaker. Doom is the moneymaker. They're going to do that, and in fact, I keep screaming about this as well. The Russo brothers have publicly said there's one movie they'd come back for, and that's Secret Wars. Right. Doom is a very big part of that. And if you really want to go Jonathan Hickman writing, you're going to go long-term build-up for this. Right. Doom would be the phase that nobody is really talking about with the MCU. Everybody's locked and loaded on Mephisto. Oh, sure. Obviously, it makes sense with the kid's story. Oh, yeah. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. But with how they're setting this up, I mean, it just brings up a lot more questions. And then what is going to happen now that Wanda is losing control? I thought well, she's lost control. Well, she absolutely has. She she has some semblance of control, but it's starting to slip. And you look at instances like with the mailman 
saying, oh, your mother would never let that happen. It's it's starting to slip mm-hmm. because before it seemed very sitcom-y and everyone's happy and everyone's living life and this, that, and the other. But even when you think back to moments with episode, first episode that was color, what was it, three? Yep. three Episode three where the neighbor to Wanda and Vision was using the hedge trimmers on his wall. Right. So it's starting to slip. It's starting to slip, and now that more people are figuring it out, She's either going to get a power boost from somebody, yeah, or she's going to let this world unravel, and that is where the story is really going to take hold, and where you're going to see cameos come in. Yeah, yeah. Now I know they keep talking about the one that's supposed to be the Luke Skywalker esque. I mean, this was big, but it didn't feel Luke Skywalker esque. No, it definitely didn't. It definitely did not. I would say we have it on very good authority. Doctor Strange will be making an appearance. Uh, that that and that's a probably a that's probably a lock. Yeah, that's not a leap, and that to me isn't the Luke Skywalker a, a cameo appearance because the Luke Skywalker thing was so out of left field, nobody saw it coming. Right. That to me, knowing that, and they publicly said it. Go back and dig up the footage, mm-hmm. the YouTube, where yep. up, wherever that WandaVision will directly lead into Doctor Strange two. It only makes sense for that to happen. Yeah. So that, to me, isn't you know Luke Skywalker showing up at the end of Mandalorian. No, it's not. But my prediction about who is going to be is Robert Downey Jr. Okay. Now, why he's going to be involved? Simple. She's going to be going through different realities. I'm not doubting a flashback to Endgame. Could be. Or Infinity War. That you'll see him say, notice her and react. Could be. It'll be a blip. Could like, be. no pun intended there. What if it's old man Cap? See, I don't think it would be Chris Evans. Like, it would make sense if they're trying to talk him into coming back for a new project. Sure. But I think for that, I mean, it's not out of the realm of thought. But, oh, yeah. I, but I would yeah. say, like, if, if you want to put in comparison, like, who could really move the needle that big? Right. I Downey Jr.'s up there. Yeah. Chris Evans is, if it's old man, but do they retcon it before? For Falcon and Winter Soldier, like I think he's he's off limits because of the, I, the timing for this. I've heard, and this isn't anything official. Marvel obviously hadn't said anything, but I've heard people say that WandaVision is the latest thing in the timeline to happen. That some of the other shows, like Loki, Falcon, Winter Soldier, will take place before WandaVision. Then it's it's quite possible, but I I just I, I don't and I don't have that on any firm authority. That's not a spoil. That's not something I've been told. That's an unofficial ODPH. That's just some stuff I've read and some stuff I've heard people speculating that they, they but because initially the way it was supposed to work was that Falcon Winter Soldier was supposed to come out first and was going to launch everything and that that would have been like the first thing in the timeline. This would be like if we're talking sequential order that WandaVision is like the last thing to have happened so far of the, the stuff that's coming out. Yeah, which. It, it would make sense, and, and also, I just can't see Evans coming back for this. Right. The, it, it's not all the realm of thought, like I say. I think Robert Downey Jr. is more possible mm-hmm. because, one, that's the Luke Skywalker moment yeah. that nobody would see coming. Yeah. Cap, since it's already been hinted at for, for him coming back for another project. Yeah. I almost want to say it would be deflating because he's already been in talks. I mean, I know people have kind of speculated based off of the comics. Uh, I forget which one, but uh, Hank Pym has a tie-in with Vision and rebuilding Vision. Mm-hmm. That I know people have speculated, uh, you know, p- 
maybe Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly showing up as either uh, Scott Lang or Hope Van Dyne, maybe even Michael Douglas or uh, Michelle Pfeiffer Mm -hmm. showing up because there is that tie to one of the comics, uh, which Hank Pym helps rebuild Vision or something like that. Yeah. Well, Hank Pym is the original creator of Vision in the comics. So, yeah, that that would make sense. Like, I wouldn't. I could see see that happening. But but that, again, to me, isn't Luke Skywalker showing up in The Mandalorian. No. There's only three people that could be. Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans. Tobey Maguire. No, I'm kidding. No. Hugh Jackman. Yo. Oh, or Ryan Reynolds. Deadpool. See. Let's get real weird. Well, we could get real weird there, but I would say if you brought Hugh Jackman in, if you brought Ian McKellen in, that would be crazy too. I, I don't, I, as cool as it would be, I don't think they'll do the characters ever again. They've said very publicly. Yeah, but what about Michael Fassbender? Fast, Fassbender would be awesome. Yeah. I I dig Fastbender. See, it would be something on that level to do. Or even uh James McAvoy. Yeah, McAvoy would be too if they wanted to go that route. Like you need somebody that's connected to the X universe to really drive that point home if it's not the Trinity of Avengers. Yeah. Thor, I could see Hemsworth in this, but eh, I no. don't, but I don't think it there's would make not sense. A, there's not enough connection between him and Wanda that we know of, at least in the films. Mm-hmm. And the only connection he has with Vision is trying to take his GD head off at when he first appeared in Age of Ultron. Right. So it, Hemsworth is ruled out. Chris so, Evans could be. And so you rule out the Guardians because that just wouldn't make any sense. Right. Chris Evans could be. Yeah. I mean, there is the history with Cap and, and yeah. Scarlet Witch. Yeah. And, I mean, Civil War, whose side was she on? So and, she, was, and she was like a father figure to him. To, uh, he was like he was a father, father. Figure, figure to her. Yeah, so it's it, that's a possibility. But I think it would be Iron Man because of the snap and the reset. And I think that it would be a small cameo. Like, that's where I see it would be. And I still think the internet would still freak out. And I think that's your level yeah. you're talking. Yeah. The only other one is if you see Hugh Jackman come through and pop claws. See, I can just see it being Chris Evans that, like, shit gets real desperate. Swords exhausted every other option. Obviously, Monica knows the connection. And we got to talk about something with Monica I think we, we missed in the episode. But I can see something like, all right, we know she had a... Because they know the history with her and the Avengers and what have you. That, oh, she had a good rapport with, with Captain America, Chris Evans. Mm-hmm. Br- bring him in. But now that I think about it, the world thinks he's dead. Yeah. So it can't be Chris Evans. Getting back to the Monica Rambeau thing. What the fuck do you think happened between her and, and uh, Carol? Be- I th- because for those of you who might have missed it, she comes back and they're talking about how powerful one. Uh, this talking about when Monica comes out and gets out of the hospital bed. Uh, they're talking about Wanda's powers and, oh, they, they, I think it was Darcy, uh, brought up, oh, she could have killed Thanos in Endgame if she really wanted to. And then they bring, a uh, Carol, Captain Marvel. And, and there's a very quick response from Monica where she goes, we're not talking about her. And, and you just see Darcy and Jimmy look at each other and go, yo, I think that we'll find out on Captain Marvel too. But I'm gonna say that she wasn't there when Monica when Monica's mother got sick. Could okay, that could be. Or there there's something there that when they needed her, she wasn't there. That could be. And because there's there's some bad blood there. There definitely Ooh. is. Like that wasn't a throwaway segment no. for that. No, so no, no, no. they're gonna definitely play into that when they start going into Secret Invasion. I would imagine, or even Captain Marvel two at the latest. Right. But that's not a throwaway line by any stretch. No, no. This episode had so many different parts moving oh my god yeah i mean from introducing the mailman which that could be another character that could be that we don't know about i mean (laughs) how funny would that be if that was mephisto well that'd be wild that that'd be also some mephisto type shit yeah because he's the god of mischief there well no loki is but yeah but 
you know, obviously Mephisto does a lot of dirty work too. Yeah. So it's not to say it's out of the realm of thought about that. Yeah. There's also with Sword and what the ultimate ploy is of Hayward. Yeah. Because could he be somebody else as well? Maybe. I know it keeps getting rumored about the hexes. The one thing I remember is Scarlet Witch's powers are referred to as hex powers. Right. So I think it's just more of a play on that. So I'm could not be. I'm not saying he is Mephisto because if so, yeah, that's that's too overly complicated. I feel. Yeah, I think that would be. That, and that's also something I feel you would do if we're talking movies. You do in like the second or third movie. Mm-hmm. That's not something you do at the outset. Right. But I think that they're just going to be teasing it enough that he'll be somebody of of importance. Yeah. Probably probably a scroll would be mm, my guess. Could be. That's that's my early money pick on that. Could be. But this episode had so many theories going on, too, especially with how the kids are growing up and how they're going to be involved, too. We do know who they are in the comics. Uh-huh. And they're not going to be going away no matter what happens on this show. They're aging them up very quickly for a very specific reason. Right, unless they're going to go the way of the comics, too. But that one, yet again, is very tricky. But knowing the Scarlet Witch, nothing is ever easy. Uh-huh. So many different storylines going on on this. And I know we gave you a little extended edition of the breakdown of WandaVision Episode 5 on the very special episode. Had to do it, though. But we had to. I know we didn't even cover most of the other theories, so we want to continue that conversation on social media. The 72-hour embargo has been lifted. So hit us up at Twitter, at OD Parlay Hour. Let's talk WandaVision, shall we? Shall we? What is your thoughts about this episode first and foremost? And what is your theories? What is your predictions coming out of this? We need to have that discussion. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Elijah, are you ready to bring on the weird? Yes. Will I am. Are you ready to bring on the weird? Did you did you just make a will I am joke? Uh yeah, I did. <laughs> nice. I'll allow it. Anyway, we're just a couple of harmless guys digging into weird things we don't know much about. We're just trying to figure out what the hell is happening in the world outside our homes. Do we get things wrong? Without a doubt. Are we learning from those mistakes? Not anytime soon. Are you entertained by the crap we're talking about? Of course. That's why I always listen to the show. You listen? Alright, what do you like to listen to about the show? I like aliens, conspiracies, cryptids, NWO, shadow government, you name it. What? Hold on. Do the aliens come from inside the Earth instead of interstellar travel? What made the conspiracy start? Why did that cryptid evolve to do the things it does? Who runs this NWO? Listen in as we dive into all manners of subjects as we bring on the weird. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Reddit. You can listen to clips of our episodes on our YouTube channel. Listen, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts and Podchaser.com. You can also listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And there is more MCU to talk about. Uh-huh. During Super Bowl Sunday, Marvel and Disney Plus decided to drop us a trailer. Uh-huh. And I, they only put 30 seconds of it on TV. And they put the full two minutes online. And because I didn't want to miss any of the action or the ads, I had to wait till halftime to see this full thing. But damn, it was worth it. Absolutely. goddamn lootly. If you don't know what we're talking about, we are talking about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh-huh. We have a full-blown trailer to discuss. Ooh, baby. We are going to be talking spoilers because we need to have a discussion about this beautiful, beautiful thing of footage. So if you don't want to be spoiled, we give you fair warning right now. But we hope you want to join in the conversation. So if you haven't seen it, watch it quick. It's two minutes. Pause this episode. 
watch it, jump back in, because we got to start talking about this in three, two, one. Pad, what did you think? Yo, is it March 19th yet? Because I need this in my life. WandaVision is amazing, and I want to keep watching that, but yo, I need this in my life right now. You know this has been my MCU Disney Plus show of the year. Uh Uh-huh. I've been waiting for this damn thing. And this delivered already so much to talk about. And as we open the trailer, we see our favorite odd couple, Team Hell No Mm -hmm. Uh 3.0. Sebastian Stan reprising his role as one Bucky Barnes, a.k.a. the Winter Soldier. And Anthony Mackie reprising his role as Sam Wilson, a.k.a. the Falcon. Yep. And they appear to be in therapy. Oh, so, well, to me, it, lo- it almost looks like it's a prison interview interview room. Like if you've ever seen one of those, you know, 48 hours dateline type of thing where somebody gets arrested and they get interviewed. It looks like one of those. Mm-hmm. It definitely does. But it's a brief moment. And they're saying, you know, why are you guys having problems? You know, why does why do you not like him? Right. And we do see this quick footage of them on a plane. And Bucky's asking, what's the plan to Falcon? And Falcon's just yeah. kind of brushes him off and jumps out the plane. Yep. And Bucky's like, great, thanks a lot, appreciate this. And as we see the Falcon flying in action, we go to the credits of Marvel Studios. Such a great sight to see. Yeah. And then we're at a city. Yep. Now, where is the city? Not quite sure. Uh, when I look at the filming locations uh, on the show for on IMDb, it only lists uh, Georgia and Atlanta and then Prague in the Czech Republic. But it almost looks a little like maybe Shanghai or Hong Kong or something like that, you know, somewhere out there. I don't know. It's, it's hard to tell because I, I realize I haven't seen Prague all that much, but it don't look that big or that bright or that pretty. No, it definitely doesn't. So, no disrespect to Prague, but, yo, this place is real pretty. We know they're traveling somewhere. And as the city unfolds itself, it's definitely bright. It definitely could have that Madripoor feel to it. Yeah. I don't know necessarily if they go there. But then we get a flashback to somebody standing in front of a grave. Yep. And that is not just anybody. Nope. Pad, who is that? Uh, that is one Daniel Brawl, a.k.a. Zemo. Yes, Baron Zemo. In his full glory as he's standing in front of this tomb. And then we see him do the slow walk away. And in his right hand is the iconic purple mask. Uh-huh. Adhesive X all day, every day. I marked out for this. Yeah. Being, being an old school Cap fan, seeing him with the mask, it was like, it's game time. Let's go. Yeah, and you know he's real pissed off because during this whole sequence of shots we've been talking about, he says, superheroes cannot be allowed to exist. He, uh, and then, you know, he goes, I have no in- no intention to leave my work. Yes, he definitely doesn't. And then as we jump in, we do see some explosions going on. Yep. And we kind of see uh, not everything is exactly as it needs to be. Nah, world world, and the whole situation is a little, little frayed, a little right. chaotic. And then we see a familiar face to Star Wars fans yeah. put on a mask. Now, Pad, who is this? Uh, this is uh, Aaron Kellyman, uh, who, if the name doesn't sound familiar, the face might look a little familiar, uh, because in uh, 2018, she played Enfys Nest in the uh, film Solo, A Star Wars Story. Played it masterfully, might I add. Right. And we do see her with some fellow soldiers, shall we say, uh-huh. running we do see her don a mask, which has a handprint over it. Yep. Now, in first glance, I thought this was the Watchdogs. 
Could be. Now, if you know the Marvel comic game, or the Avengers game, should I say, rather, you know who they are. Uh-huh. If you know the comic storyline involving another character on this show, one John Walker, a.k.a. U.S. agent, right. you know who the watchdogs are. They're basically a domestic terrorist group. And you see that that is his first, I want to say, super villains yeah. that he has to deal with. So is a very noteworthy appearance that we see them show up. Uh-huh. We also then see Bucky in incognito going to what appears to be a museum as he sees a little shout-out to Cap. It almost looks like it's a quasi-memorial service type of thing because uh, before we see Bucky, there are three very decorated individuals uh, in military uniforms standing there. Now, we can't tell what rank they are, mm-hmm. but if you look at the little ribbons they have on their chest, they're very decorated. Yes, they very much are. And as we see, Sam is standing there with the shield and looking very, very sad about something's going on. Yeah, and uh, Captain America is on his left. Yes. And then we see him throw the shield, getting a little practice with it. So they're kind of doing a little time jumping around here. But it's cool to see Sam's throwing that shield. I got to say that. Bucky catches it at one point. Yeah, which, I mean, hey, he's done that before in Winter Soldier. True. We get a quick shot of some flying agents then going through the canyon. And then we see a fight scene breaking out in what appears to be a little nightclub. was mixed in with more Falcon action of him flying. Yep. And then we see a return of another familiar face. Yeah. Pat, who is that? Uh, that is Emily Van Camp, better known in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as Sharon Carter. Yes, Agent 13 has returned. We do see her in uh, what appears to be a fight scene at... A freight harbor. Yep. So we're not exactly sure what that is because we do see Baron Zemo walking away with the mask off in the same shot. Right. It's just a matter of time displacement. So it could be they're on the trail of him. We don't know. Then we're flashed to a train sequence Mm -hmm. where Falcon is flying at somebody that's on top of a train. Yep. Which I got to admit, first time I saw that, I had shades of... uh, X-Men Dark Phoenix vibes. Oh, yeah. And I was like, no, please don't. Yeah. Just, I don't know. Was it with Marvel? Marvel in hallways and Marvel in trains. I don't, yeah, I don't get something. it. But then we get to a shot that we've seen a little bit before, which is, appears to be a, a pep rally yeah, it looks football like a, game. It looks like a high school football stadium. Right. With a new Captain America logo in there. Yeah. Which... This upset me very much because I know who the character is that's running on the field giving high fives. Yep. That is one John Walker, a.k.a. the U.S. agent, played by Wyatt Russell. Uh-huh. Now, if you're not familiar with the comics, in, I want to say, issue 333 of Captain America, uh-huh. they did a storyline where Cap was stripped of the mantle by the Ooh. government. And what they said is... They wanted him to do a mission that he did not personally endorse. And he said, I can't do this. Right. And they said, well, you work for the government with that suit. You don't right. work for yeah. anybody else. Yeah. And Cap said, I work for the people and I work for the ideals. So I quit. Yeah. So they find a replacement in John Walker. Now, without going too full spoilery here, John Walker is not the guy for the job. No. He is basically a yes man, and he is a super-powered, comic steroided up yes man. Yeah. And has uh, anger issues, to put it mildly. Yeah, yeah. So he's definitely not the Captain America that anybody deserves. No. He is arguably one of my least favorite comic 
characters of all time. Okay. The Sentry is number one, because screw the Sentry. Aries all day. But John Walker ranks pretty high on that list, too. I've never really liked sure. his character. I just think he's... Sure. he's in, I, I don't understand people's love affair with him. I just don't. like. He's just always boring and just... Ugh. Anyway. But we do see him make his appearance on the show. As mm-hmm. he's running, he's giving a high five. It's almost like a political pep rally. I yeah, think, at some something. Point, which I think they're trying to establish because how they do it in the comics, obviously the public knows Steve Rogers. Right. They love Steve Rogers. They don't love John Walker. This is true. And I feel that it's almost the same vibe here that the public is backing either Sam Wilson or Bucky Barnes, whoever they're thinking is going to be cap at this time. Well, I don't think the public knows. I think what it might be is they're going to borrow a little bit from the story you mentioned. Obviously, they can't borrow it entirely because, well, Cap is old. Mm-hmm. They're not exactly going to send him out on any missions anytime soon. Uh, and at least from the thing that he's presumed dead yeah. uh, to the public at large. Uh, hence the memorial-like service with his giant head in the in the in the room. Unless he's really passed it this time, we don't we don't we, know. We that, don't know that could happen. Uh, I think what's happened is is. They obviously know they need Captain America. They know that uh, Steve left the shield with Sam, wanted him to take over the mantle. But it could be a case of they, again, borrowing from the comic, asked him to do something. He's not okay with it. Uh, so they replace him. Or it could be a case of, you know, they, uh, you know, borrowing from what Tony said in Civil War, where that shield doesn't belong to you, blah, blah, blah. The government could pull the same stunt and go, we don't care what Cap wanted. That that shield belongs to the government. We take it and we give it to who we want. And then for as many issues as they had with Steve over the years, going his own way and doing his own thing, they're frankly tired of that. They want a guy who's going to do what they tell him to jump. And they say jump, and, and he's going to ask how high. So that would be where they bring in the U.S. agent. Yeah. Screw the U.S. agent. I can't stand him. <laughs> But then we get back to the fight scenes going on in, in the club, and it almost looks like they're in the Watchdogs headquarters. Or yeah. I should say Flag Smashers, because that is what the group is being referred to. Now, Flag Smasher is a longtime Captain America villain. So now apparently they're making them an organization for the show. Which, like I say, if they just want to say Watchdogs, I get it. Yeah. Just kind of a little play on Captain yeah. America's rogues gallery. So as we see Bucky is fighting his way through the club, uh, we see Falcon is fighting his way through the plane as well. Does a very cool thing where he's deflecting bullets with his wings. It turns his wings into a shield. Yeah, which I think is a very, very cool thing to see. Oh, yeah. And then we see more of the guys running around, and then we see Sam throwing the shield yet again. Explosions. We're back on two tractor trailers Yep. where they are fighting which we're presuming they are the Flag Smashers. Yep. So Bucky is getting ganged up on where this is the scene where Falcon flies in to save him. Because yep. if you notice the character that is facing us to the back, that's uh, the one that Sam winds up kicking. Uh-huh. So as we see, Bucky's nearly falling off of the tractor trailer. Sam drops that line, that little girl kicked your ass. <laughs> and that is referring to the Flag Smasher that we're assuming is the Flag Smasher. Yep. Uh uh, Aaron Kellyman. Thank you. So it's kind of a little cool play. We see some action going on, and then we go to the credits of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yep. It's very cool to see how this all played out. So, Pad, your overall feelings on this? I, I was already very excited for the show because this, to me, and I've said it before, is going to, you know, for what people complained at the start of WandaVision, this is going to be a Marvel film. This is going to feel like Captain America 
four. You know what? It, it's not going to be that in title, but it's going to feel like that. It's going to be awesome, and I cannot wait. And the other thing I love is they said this is dropping March 19th, which is two weeks after WandaVision ends. So we don't got to wait long to get our next dose of Marvel. Absolutely. For me, being a longtime Captain America fan, I'm happy on a lot of different reasons for this. One, the Cap story where he loses the mantle is a very interesting one. And it was such a uh, crazy change in direction for the comic that it definitely stands out as a noteworthy story. Is it my favorite one? It's my favorite one when Steve Rogers kicks the crap out of John Walker. Because that happens. That's a little spoiler for the comics. uh, To take the mantle back a few issues uh, down the road. Like, actually, John Walker has a run. And then, mysteriously, he comes back as U.S. agent. And then, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then he gets to be the annoying idiot that he is. Yeah. I'm also marking out because Baron Zemo is a longtime Cap villain, like I said. Uh, I'm very interested to see if he's going to do Adhesive X in this as well. Maybe. Uh, That's uh, something that is his trademark, per se. Uh, And I can't wait to see if he gets burned by it. Yeah. Uh, Because if you know the comics, you know what happens there. That's why I kind of marked out about him. Like, yeah, let's see that they actually pulled the trigger on that one. Uh, There's also a lot of speculation about what stories they're going to do. Now, I'm going to make an early guess about this. Uh Uh-huh. I think they're going to tie in elements of Ed Brubaker's last Cap story, which had Zemo in it. Right. Uh, So I think you're going to see a little bit borrowed from that. I think you're definitely going to see the Mark Grenwald story of John Walker being used um, and Cap, or the mantle being passed uh, by the government to somebody that's not ready for it. Right. The Flag Smasher thing is very interesting because I think they're going to use those as more like the watchdogs. Sure. Now, will John Walker do what he did in the comics to them? Maybe. Possibly. And I'm just not sure where the play is going to be for that if they decide to. Right. There's also a lot of casting if you go to the IMDb page uh-huh. that is blank. Yeah. Now, Erin Kellerman is still there, uh, but her title has not been given. So, But yep. watching that trailer, she has got to be the Flag Smasher or is going to be featured very prominently in this. Yep. Desmond Chaim is also listed there, but he doesn't have a title as well. Could he also be a flag smasher? Probably. Possibly. Yeah, I would have to say definitely. Looks like because especially uh, the two people we've mentioned thus far, according to IMDb, are in all six episodes. Right. So it's going to be very noteworthy that they're going to be involved. Right. There's also another character, Miki Ishikawa, Uh that is not listed there. And I have heard some theories online of who they think she's going to be. Also in all six episodes. Yeah. And I'm not necessarily sure if that's going to be the play. Sure. One thing, if you know about Baron Zemo, Mm -hmm. he does have a tie to another group in the MCU, the comics universe. Okay. And that is Thunderbolts. Right. And arguably one of the greatest non-ruined-by-the-internet reveals in all of comics. One of the last ones. Where, I guess I'll just ruin it right now, per se, because the comic has been out since the 90s. After the events of Heroes Reborn and the Avengers and Fantastic Four went missing, there was a mysterious team, Justice Like Lightning, that showed up on the scene. And they were all brand new superheroes. Until you get to the last page. Right. Where you see Citizen V reveal his mask and the burned face... Of Adhesive X 
is standing right there, and it's Baron Zemo hmm. with a ton of villains posing as heroes. Hmm. Now, where the comic goes from here, it's a great read. I, I will say it's gone through many incarnations throughout the years. Right. But the initial run, fan-fucking-tastic. I love it. It played on the ideas of could these villains become heroes? Would they fall right. in love with that concept? Right. Would they not? And you see some emerge in various incarnations of the characters. You do see some Avengers get involved as the, as the progresses um, because once they get out of Heroes Reborn and everybody comes back, it's like, hey, who are you? It's such a great reveal. Like Even though I said in the comics when you're reading it, you're not going to see it coming. And when it hit the stores, I remember people like losing their minds and going, mm. did you read this? Like, Who saw this coming? It's a fantastic concept, so it definitely is worth checking out. With Zemo being involved, and I've said before, I feel they're going to lay the groundwork for Thunderbolts. Could be. But I don't think that Zemo will be the head of this one. I think it's going to be Bucky Barnes. Hmm, interesting. And I think that would be a way to bring him back in the MCU picture per se. Yeah. Because I think Falcon's going straight to Avengers. Yeah. Bucky, I don't yeah. know. Bucky could, but he usually stays on the outside looking in for from the big superhero teams. But there is one other casting that definitely caught my eye as well that uh-huh. hasn't been announced, and that's Carl Lumby. Yeah. Now, or Lumby. So with him... He has no name attached to it. But we have talked on this episode, and we have talked in the past about Young Avengers. Right. We do know that it has been heavily rumored that we are going to see uh, Patriot from the Young Avengers get introduced, Elijah Bradley. Sure, I think, though, and it's been rumored as well, too, that we are going to see Isaiah Bradley, the first African-American Captain America. Okay. Get introduced, and I think Lumbai is going to be playing him. I could see that. So, and yeah. the more that you're kind of putting those dots together, like I could fully see that happening. I know they really want to lay the groundwork for Young Avengers. Oh, they're already doing it. Right. WandaVision kicks it off. Falcon and Winter Soldier runs with it. Yeah. Hawkeye's definitely tagged to oh, it. Oh, God, yeah. And I believe Loki is too, because they have Probably. America, um, America Chavez. Oh, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is involved in that as well. They're mixing up the team a little bit from the original one from the comics. They, they've done that over the years, though. Right. So you're going to see a different lineup hit. Uh, not to say you won't see this lineup of Young Avengers hit the comic racks when everything's all said and done. Right. But that all being said, I think they're going to be laying some groundworks for some future projects here. I'm definitely excited to see this. Stuff. Oh, yeah. The it, trailer. The trailer had everything... I was looking for and then some. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think we're going to, like, talking about last segment, we'll stop laying the groundwork for the future. Uh, looking at the cast list on IMDb, they might be doing that further. Oh, break it down? Yeah, so looking at the cast list, I was looking at just kind of who was in the episode, maybe some names, maybe a pickup on something. And something definitely caught my eye. Uh, there is a woman by the name of Sinead Phillips, uh, who's listed as one episode. Uh, has a, has a I don't know, know if you call this a character name, but it has a name attached to who she's playing. Uh, Latvian Fan. Interesting. Uh-huh. I feel, now, like, I feel like that's a little deliberate. It could definitely be deliberate. Um, Like we said, Dr. Doom is a name that they want to kind of tie into. Uh-huh. 
I mean, but if you already lay the groundwork and say Latveria is there, yeah. I mean, we have heard Sokovia will be renamed Latveria. I mean, that's been a long Lat- time. We Lat- we don't know what kind of st- uh, state Sokovia is in. All we know is they had like a meteor sized or a planet sized, you know, chunk of Earth dropped onto it from a terminal velocity. Yes, they could be on dire straits and not getting any help until a very rich individual goes in there to help them out. Well, it all depends on how they want to play it out to introduce Latveria. But, like I say, Doctor Doom is the endgame, no pun intended. They want to get to Secret Wars. How they're going to get there, they're going to take the long route. Oh, God, yeah. This is not going to happen anytime soon. Oh, God, yeah. But Secret Wars is definitely going to be coming out at some point. If they can start laying that slow groundwork, it's going to be a huge payoff when it does. And if they can try to tie that into a little bit, you're developing Thunderbolts, you're developing Young Avengers. Each show that is coming out on Disney Plus is having a big moving forward moment. Yeah. Like, that's the one thing you got to take away. Not only are we getting a great show, but we are getting groundwork laid out that nothing is going to be a throwaway about this, which I do like, except the U.S. agent, because I could do without him. <laughs> but for what they're setting up, it's going to be absolutely impressive. Uh. And plus, we also have to remember, too, Don Cheadle is, I believe, involved in this? Yes, uh, he did an interview over the last week or so and did say that he is going to be appearing in the uh, show as well. Now, for how many episodes? We don't know, but he's in it. Well, I think they want to set this up to lead into Armor Wars. Which is going to start getting written soon. Yeah, which, I mean, if you know Iron Man, you know that storyline. And just putting uh, Rhodey in there, that makes yeah. perfect sense. Too. Yeah. Like I, they're, they're still going to do that story justice. So it just depends on how many other characters we get involved in this. But so many moving parts with this. I mean, that's what you have to really dig into. Where they're going to go with this show is anybody's guess. Yeah, oh yeah. But, Pat, final thoughts on this trailer, man. We get, we really deep dived into this one. Love the trailer. Made me even more excited for it, which I didn't think was possible. And good God, I want it to be here already. Give me Zemo all day. One of my favorite cap villains of all time. And, like I say, the fact we saw the purple mask, I marked out. John Walker, I could do without, but I, as long as he gets his ass kicked by the end of the show, I'm happy. Uh, like I said, not a U.S. agent fan. Sorry, never have been. Uh, but to see Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie reprise their role and have the good cop, bad cop relationship. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even the staring contest at the very end. Yeah. They're going to have a lot of humor in this. I, f- I feel like if there's not a line in that sequence, because it cuts off kind of quick, where the person, the female person interviewing them says, just how old are you? I really hope, and if it doesn't happen, I'll be okay with that. But I really hope Sebastian Stan Bucky goes, do you really want me to answer that? Because given he's like 100 plus years old. Yeah, it's going to be definitely a fun episode. It's going to have a lot of action in it. But we gave you our thoughts. Let's hear yours. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts about Falcon and Winter Soldier? Are you excited for it? Are you not? And what are you most looking forward to see come out of this show? Definitely want to have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. If you're into all things comics, you have to check out Take a Knee for Marvel vs. DC, your go-to podcast for comic and superhero discussion, debates, polls, and more. Tune in as regular Scott and Ozzy Killmonger chat about your favorite comic topics, and you never know who may show up for an open mic or what will be next on their favorite, One Gotta Go. Take a Knee for Marvel vs. DC. Every Sunday, powered by the Defy Light Podcast Network. 
Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the OTPH Podcast. Time to talk a little one-shots, Pat. Got a few things to talk about. Uh, first off was a 30-second trailer. Can you even call it a trailer? I don't know. Uh, that we got for the Fast and Furious 9 uh, that dropped during the Super Bowl. We try and break it down, but, well, it's 30 seconds. And do you really even need to explain Fast and Furious? You're just there for the fun. It looks you, outrageous. You don't go for the plot. You nope. g- You just go to see shit get blown up. Uh-huh. Cars. Yep. And cheesy one-liners. And, and physics-defying crashes. Yeah. Because, I'm sorry, as cool as the, as the crash where Dom saves Letty in six yeah. is, there's no way that physically, like, laws of physics can happen. Yeah, it's absolutely freaking wild. Yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be nuts. Yeah, I... Although, every time they, they keep showing the interior of a car, I, some nobody's driving it. It's just blank. Nobody's there. Yeah, that is true. I don't I, get it. I don't understand the Invisible Man in there. Blah, 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 blah. Just wait till it goes to space. Yeah, I've been calling this since day one. It's going to do it. We're this, gonna see, is, this is a fact. We're going to see Vin Diesel do a. a, a He's going to drift around Saturn. Drift around Saturn, and then yeah. just that's how it ends. Yeah, it needs to end that way. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Switching over to comics, I previewed issue one last week. I finally read issue one of Transformers Beast Wars issue number one, celebrating the twenty fifth anniversary. God damn, I can't believe it's been that long. Uh, from since when Beast Wars first premiered. Gotta say, loved the first issue. It was essential. Okay. It was essentially a uh, recreation of the very first episode of the show with some stuff added in. Uh, th- when the show was getting, when the show, if you ever watch it, starts, they come out of space. They're fighting each other and they crash land on Earth. Okay. I didn't find out until very much later when the internet was a thing and somebody uploaded the footage onto YouTube. I don't know where it came from. Whether it was a part of the DVD that are very hard to find these days. Uh, or some other way it came out, maybe with some other collection or something. Uh, but the folks who created it and animated it actually came up with a how things started and how they left Cybertron, but it never got animated. Like, it got voiced, but it just never, I think they just, ah, let's just not do it. And they took that and they put it into the comics. So they filled in a little bit of backstory. I thought it was awesome. But outside of that, issue one ended right where uh, episode one is about to begin. Uh, so I cannot wait for issue two. Sadly, I gotta wait until March uh, until issue two comes out. But I love it. If you are a fan of the cartoon, I highly recommend you check it out. Also, I gotta say, the very last page uh, is the Maximal logo in twenty five years. Makes for a real cool phone uh, phone wallpaper. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. Gotta say, and that variant, dude. Oh my god, yeah. So there's a couple variants where, and I and I said it on last week's show, and I can't, and if I didn't. I wasn't the biggest fan of how they look in the normal cover because that's not how I remember it. But in the back of the issue, they showed all the variant pages. And I show this one again. There's one variant cover with all of all of the characters. So uh, Optimus, Dinobot, Rattrap, Cheetor, Rhinox, Megatron, Waspinator, uh, Pterosaur, Scorponok, and uh, Tarantulas. All how they looked in the cartoon. And I, if I got to go online, I'm going to check locally here in our area to see if I can find it. If I don't, I will absolutely go online and buy that variant because that variant cover is amazing. Yeah, dude, you should just see if you can get that wall art. Oh, I know. It looks awesome. Yeah, but the variant comic, dude, you got to go support the shops. Yeah, definitely head down to your local shops and go pick that. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, Switching over to some what could have been news. This one definitely caught my eye. Uh, Apparently, we almost got Viggo Mortensen as Wolverine in the X-Men movies. Really? Yeah, so... uh, Reading from the article on IGN.com, quote, On an episode of the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast, Mortensen detailed how an early meeting with 20th Century Fox and director Brian Singer colored his thoughts on potentially being locked into a superhero role for years to come. 
Besides his own personal misgivings, Mortensen's young son Henry, a fan of the X-Men, noted how different Singer's incarnation of the superhero group looked. Uh, quote, the thing that bothered me at the time was just the commitment of endless movies of that same character over and over, Mortensen said. I was nervous about that, and also there were some things, I mean, they straightened them, most of them out, but I did take Henry to the meeting I had with the director as my sort of good luck charm and guide. In the back of my mind, I was thinking he could learn something too, because I did let Henry read the script, and he goes, this is wrong, that's not how it is, close quote. Uh, Singer eventually uh, asked Henry if he was familiar with Wolverine, Mortensen said, and he goes, yeah, but he doesn't look like this. And all of a sudden, the director is falling all over himself, and then the rest of the meeting was him explaining in detail to Henry why he was taking certain liberties, Mortensen said. We walked out of there, and Henry asks if he will change the things he told him about, and I say, I don't think so. I'm not going to do it anyway because I'm not sure I want to be doing this for years. And then a couple of years later, I'm doing three Lord of the Rings films, so who knows, close quote. Uh, so, I don't know. I get why he didn't do it. You know, kids often are a big part of why some actors and actresses uh, take on roles. Uh, I forget the actor's name, but he played Argus Filch in the Harry Potter films. He was also in uh, Game of Thrones. He, uh, he would not have taken the role of Harry Potter as Argus Filch, even though Argus Filch background character, never anything huge outside of like one chapter in the second book, he would not have taken the role if it weren't for his kids saying, you need to do this. This will be awesome. You know? So I, I get why he didn't do it, but it's fun to think of what could have been if he would have been Wolverine, but that wouldn't have meant he wouldn't have been Aragorn in Lord of the Rings, which would have been a travesty. Yeah. It's always one of those cool. What if moments Yeah, that no, we won't see on Disney plus, but to just think you mean he would have crushed it in the role. Oh yeah. No, he would have been good, but it's so weird now thinking how Hugh Jackman got the role yeah, and how it's almost near impossible to think of somebody else playing the role. Yeah. Well, and another fun fact, Viggo Mortensen wasn't the first person to play Aragorn. That's a fun story you should look up on your own time. I'll tell you off air, but Viggo Mortensen was not the first person to play Aragorn in those films, and they even got two days into filming. Really? Oh, yeah. So I'll tell it here anyway. So... I forget who they initially casted, and you can look it up yourself. I'm not going to do it now. But they had initially casted someone as Aragorn. And like I said, they got two days into filming. Mm -hmm. And Peter Jackson realized this guy wasn't going to be it. He just doesn't look the part. He just doesn't look the size. He just doesn't look this, doesn't look that. So they threw out the two days worth of filming he'd done with this guy and recast it. And Viggo Mortensen got the role. And uh, I'd say they made the right choice. I would definitely say so. Yeah. Uh, switching over to some book news, uh, we got an update from George R. R. Martin on the long-anticipated uh, Winds of Winter uh, book, which I think at this point we've been waiting 10 years. I gave up keeping track. I want Because I want to say, I'll look it up uh, when I got a second, but I think the last one came out in 2011. So I think we've been waiting 10 years on this, which is absurd. Uh, but he uh, offered an update on his uh, website via his Not a Blog blog uh is it still my journal or live it, journal it, it doesn't say that but if you look at the bottom if you remember live journal had that current mood and then thing you could put at the bottom it doesn't say so you look at george r george slash not a blog uh but at the bottom so it doesn't it used to say live journal but now it doesn't but if you look at the bottom it does it does i'm showing you current move <sighs> alien face talk so it, it's still live journal it still is damn it it's still live journal uh damn he, it man yeah so he posted an update uh back on the february 2nd uh, I'll read from a couple parts here. Uh, quote, January has gone past in the blink of an eye. In the past, I have written often, often written a year's end roundup of sorts on my not a blog just before or after New Year's. Uh, this year, though, 2020 was probably the worst year I have ever lived through. 
for the country and the world, if not for me personally. And I say that uh, from the perspective of someone who lived through and remembers 1968. So much happened and so much of it was dire, but all the rest dwindles in importance in the shadow of hundreds of thousands of COVID deaths. Uh, so he talks about kind of just his life and, you know, he and his wife are doing as well as can be. They've lost a few friends and, and a few other friends are in uh, some not good uh, health conditions. But he does say uh, about halfway through the, the blog entry, quote, what was good about 2020? Uh, well, for me, there was work. I wrote hundreds and hundreds of pages of the winds of winter in 2020, the best year I've had on wow uh, winds of winter since I began it. Why? I don't know. Maybe the isolation or maybe I just got on a roll. Sometimes I do get on a roll. I need to keep rolling though. I still have hundreds of more pages to write uh, to bring the novel to a satisfactory conclusion. That's what 2021 is for. I hope. I will make no predictions on when I will finish. Every time I do, assholes on the internet take that as a promise and then wait eagerly to crucify me when I miss the deadline. All I will say is that I am hopeful. I have a zillion other things to do as well, though. My plate is full to overflowing. Every time I wrap up one thing, three more things land on me. Monkeys on my back. Aye, aye. I've sung that song before. So many monkeys. And Kong. I will talk about all that in a different blog post. Meanwhile, guys and gals, please keep your safe, safe and healthy. I will try to do the same close quote. So it appears he's making uh, some headway. Uh, we, everyone, including myself, figured that would be the case because normally he does a lot of conventions and he does a lot of panels. But seeing as every convention and panel in person was canceled, he stayed at home. He had a lot of time to write. And if he got, quote, hundreds and hundreds of pages done. Maybe we're finally getting closer to that being done. I hope he does a swerve ending just to piss everybody off. Well, we know that we know that the ending of the show is how it's going to end in the book because he gave them the ending of how the series is going to end. So, spoiler alert, Bran is going to end up as the king. I hope he just swerves everybody. He's like, no, I changed my mind. But he has said in the past, as the seasons were going on past where he had written, there are certain things in the books that are going to be different from what you know in the show partly because much in the, i'll call it the walking dead syndrome characters are alive in the show that are dead in the books and vice versa but there are some characters that at the point where he's written and where it was in the show that are alive that he say may or may not be alive in his books so take it for what you will gotcha. you know, ho hopefully we get it to come out and i'm not gonna lie i finished re it took me three four maybe five years to read those books because yo they're long um if there's not one out there Somebody's going to need to make like a what happened summary video on YouTube because I'm not going to go through and reread those again in any immediate future. Maybe down the road at some point, but like in the immediate right now, no. I have no time for it. And like I said, give me a sort of ending. I want I want something like crazy. I had I had time to read those books. You know, I had just finished college. I, I was working a job, but not full time. You know, I wasn't as busy. I, I wasn't dating anybody. So I had a lot of free time. And I, you know, I sat there and read as much as I could. I'm a little more busy these days. You know, I got a full-time job. I'm, I'm dating someone. You know, I got life it got busier. I just don't have the time like I used to anymore. So if if, if there's one out there, awesome, point it to me. Uh, at Messelin on Twitter, M-E-S-E-L-Y-N. Point it to me, and I'll gladly watch that. Uh, but if not, hey, there's an opportunity. Somebody make that summary video. Yeah, Pat's Twitter is right in the ODPH profile yes. at OD Parlay Hour. So just like, first follow him uh -huh. and then hit him up. Enough said. You should be following him. You should be following Coach Duffy, too. And you follow us already. Tell, so, hey. tell Coach Duffy how great John Calipari is. <laughs> yes, he will. He he will have a response for you. Oh, trust you. Trust us. Trust us. Trust us. All right. So for my one shots, 
bit of CW news. Okay. Now, Pad, let me ask you this question. Sure. It is Monday, February 8th, as we're recording. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you know what comes back tonight? Not Flash, because they delayed that because uh, Superman went to two hours. Mm Mm-hmm. Batwoman's on Sunday. Right. Supergirl? Black Lightning. Oh, okay. Which flew under the radar. I just yeah. did not realize it was coming out. Yeah. Which is a shame because I, I genuinely like the show when I can catch it. Yeah. So definitely want to see some new content. The trailer is out right now, so definitely go take a peek at it if you're a fan of it. They're going into their final season. Yeah. And then however it transpires. And I've been screaming since day one. He would be a great addition for Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, no, he'd be good. He'd be a good father figure that they're lacking on that show. Not saying they need one, but there's nobody filling that role. Listen, for that for that show to be renewed, as we talked about last week, they gotta switch that lineup. Yeah, like yeah. I'm sorry, it's it's, and I'm not saying I want people to lose jobs because I don't. No, but at least bring in other heroes to kind of give a dynamic to keep, it. Keep Sarah. Keep Mick. Uh, uh, fire, fire, dude. Keep yeah, back. they're great. You know, everybody else on the show is great, but you just feel like we need something. They need to just revamp. Like I don't, yeah, like, you know, split it. Like you have like three different teams, and you like each give them four episodes. Like do something like that. Sure, something. I don't know. Also, CW, stop showing the Superman ad on TV. I can only get so excited for that show. That leads me to my next point. Yo, I cannot wait. Superman and Lois, the trailer is out. It looks oh fantastic. God, I cannot wait. And obviously when it debuts on February 23rd, it'll be on the CW. Please but let them go full tilt. I know that was kind of one of the issues with Arrow was they would introduce stuff and then they wouldn't be able to use it again because the, the studio was like, no, 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 you can't do that. We're going to get ready to do something with that. Cough, cough. Suicide Squad, cough, cough. Let them go full tilt. Do, yeah. not, do not hold them back. Do not let, let them use whatever villains they have because Superman has an amazing rogues gallery. If they are able to go full tilt, that show's going to be incredible. Well, they got to. If you really hold this show back, which I think hurts Supergirl at the beginning. Yes. I mean, well, I mean. Among other things, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the CBS version. Yep. Yeah. But I think that once they got the CW, they got the playbook a little bit more open yeah. to them. Yeah. You really got to open this up for Superman and Lois. Like, whatever you're going to do, don't hold them back like you did because of Suicide Squad. Really let the playbook go. Now, the fact that we have a Superman show on CW, I think, is a very strong move in that direction. Mm -hmm. But what's also a more stronger move, in my opinion, is the show debuts on the CW February 23rd. Uh Uh-huh. On February 27th, they're having an encore presentation on TNT. Interesting. And they're also going to be having a special uh, Superman and Lois Legacy of Hope. This hmm. is coming from Deadline. Uh, so it's going to be talking about the legacy of the Man of Steel, and they're going to be doing some very cool things going on, uh, all things DC on TNT to give it a good signal boost. That is a very, very strong sign, in my opinion. Yeah. They have a lot of faith in this show. Um, they're going to be doing some kind of cross-promotion, which I think is smart if you're under the same banner of networks. Yeah. Why not? Uh, I did read, though, they're going to be doing the uh, Go Big show mm. on the CW. Okay. So uh, that show is what it is. I, yeah. I It's not my cup of tea, so to speak, but uh, it is what it is. But for Superman and Lois, the hype is there. Oh, yeah. So let's see what they do. I'm excited to check this out when it comes out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to round out the CW, there is a new Flash trailer for the March 2nd premiere that's yep. out. Yep. So definitely worthwhile to go check out. Uh, and before we start talking comics with uh-huh. this gentleman, uh-huh. Keanu Reeves is reportedly been offered the role of Craven the Hunter. Ooh, 
Got to bulk up a little bit, but you, okay. Your thoughts on this, Pat? Uh, listen, they could offer Keanu Reeves to be a janitor in Spider-Man 4, and I'd be all right with it. Like, give the man a role. He is incredible. Uh, you're amazing. You know, just everything. I, I don't, at this point, I don't care what you cast him in because he's going to be amazing and he's going to kill it. I, I guess I have two thoughts about this. No, I, I agree. He will kill it with whatever he does. He is a very well-known comic fan. In uh-huh. fact, what will even tie into his upcoming comic that he did with Kickstarter, Berserker, okay. yeah. has already sold 600,000 copies, according Yo. to comicbook.com. Damn. Damn. That's a lot. Yeah. So to say that he's not invested into the comics world is yeah. a, is a very big understatement. Uh, so that being said, I don't know if I would gas him at, as Craven. Like I could see him doing the role. Like I think he'd be sure. fine at it. Sure. But it's for him. Like I had the same thing with Christian Bale signing on for Thor. Like I was surprised he took uh, the God Butcher. I was really thinking Keanu Marvel would lock him up for like a long term role, like Mephisto. Right. right. We've heard him attached to Ghost Rider for years. Yeah. Me personally, I would love to see him play Silver Surfer. Oh, that'd be good. I'd I'd love to see that. That'd like, be good. And I'll tell you what, you want to talk about how the MCU would make bank? Put him as Silver Surfer. Oh yeah. And you'd have like the brand new face of the franchise. Pretty much. Just saying. But th- I mean, that being said, I don't know necessarily if I cast him as Craven. Like it, it would just first off the idea of Craven having his own solo movie. Right. Not really exciting me to go to a theater. I mean, I'd be all right with him being a, a major villain in yeah. a Spider-Man movie. Villain? Fine. Yeah. No issue. Yeah. But why? There's like, not To me, there's not enough of a backstory there to warrant a movie. Now, if they were to do something like, I don't know, maybe like a Goblin movie? Okay. Well, you got to think in the, in the lineage of Spider-Man, who, let's face it, top two all-time rogues gallery. Yeah. Between him and Batman. Yeah. Craven is up there, yeah, but he's not like the if, guy. If you ask comic book fans, you know, name the top five Spider-Man villains. Some might put him there at like four or five. Nobody's going to have him high up. I th- and I think the percentage of people who name him are going to be very small. Yeah, I mean he'll get he'll get mentioned. Like yeah. there, there'll be some people who put yeah. him at like the lower end of yeah. it. But you're not going to put him above Octopus. You're not going to put him no. above Venom. You're not no. going to put him up. Hell no, above Green Goblin. No. You know, so I like I just I'm really struggling with this idea that Sony wants to make this movie so fucking bad. Yeah. And like excuse my language about it. Like it just it boggles my mind the love affair they've had with doing a Sinister Six movie. Oh yeah, no, they've had a hard on for fifteen years. Yeah, like I like it's great in concept. Oh yeah, but it that's if Spider Man's there. Like if you're just gonna do a Sinister Six movie where they run around and then you know go away at the end of the movie, like no, sorry, I'm not invested. Yeah, like I'm sorry, this just is not pushing me to go to a theater when if they were open or even to watch this on Disney Plus or wherever it's gonna come out. Right, like, right. I'm sorry. Like I is there's one story you could do with Craven, but you need Spider Man involved, and there's yeah. no way you're gonna see it. And it's yeah. Craven's last hunt, and yeah. you know you, you're. Like that would make for a great movie, but yeah. uh, but to get Keanu Reeves to sign on for this, if he does, I wouldn't be super surprised because it's Keanu. Yeah, but I would be surprised. Yeah, because I could fully see him coming to the real MCU. Yeah. Now he could be Mephisto, and like that would. That, I tell you what, if, if you want to talk about a cameo, that's that's big. Yo, if he shows up on Wandavision, Twitter is gonna break. Yeah, it'll snap. Yeah. worse than Thanos did. Yeah. Uh. But I could see him winding up there. I mean, I'm thinking Mephisto is going to be a big A-lister. I wouldn't doubt Brad Pitt. Okay. I'm just going to throw that out yeah. there. But 
for Keanu to sign on for this, I which he has not confirmed. It's just been officially he's very offered. Well, yeah, he's, yeah, he's been offered, but I know the one role he wanted to do forever was Wolverine. Right. Marvel, I'm just saying, if you want to do it, man, let him do it. You know, to have him, have him in the MCU, but to be a Craven, I'm, I'm sorry, just not super excited about that at all. So that being said, we are talking comics, but Pat, yeah. you got some picks for us. Break I, it down. I do. Uh, coming out this week, issue number 59 of The Amazing Spider-Man from Nick Spencer and uh, penciled by Marcelo Ferrer. Uh, the description of this one, Mr. Negative is back and wants only one thing, Martin Lee. But how is that possible? Spider-Man is still reeling from the Kindred Affair and Peter will not stand for anything else to be taken away from him. I cannot wait for this. Peter is in a real mess of sorts uh, mentally and in his life after the whole Kindred thing. Not quite right in the head. Never, you know, got to get his affairs in order. Uh, so I cannot wait to see where they go with this. Uh, also, uh, coming out this week from Greg Pack, that is uh, Darth Vader, issue number 10. Uh, description on this one is The Red Horror. After passing the test of the Eye of Webish Bog, Darth Vader has learned the, uh, the route to the hidden location of the Emperor's greatest secrets. But in the Red Nebula along the way, can Vader survive the onslaught of the greatest predator in the galaxy? Especially if the monster's most brutal attack transcends the physical. And what horrors await the Emperor if a transformed Vader makes it to his dark door? Uh, so, where is uh, the Emperor's greatest secret held, you might ask? Hmm. Exegol. Ooh. Yeah, so uh, this came out, uh, this was named in uh, issue nine, just reading a bit from it. Uh, after surviving the whole ordeal of, of you know, uh, the Emperor sent him there, Vader there to beat an assassin to prove himself, like, hey, listen, you're not doing things right. You got to prove yourself again to me. Uh, he finds a, a Sith Wayfinder. Uh, Vader says, I took this from the eye. I know it leads to the Emperor's secrets. Tell me how it works. Uh, the assassin says, ah, right. You're keeping me alive to help you with the Wayfinder. Good plan. Good plan. The Emperor's favorite assassin would know a thing or two about the Emperor's secrets, wouldn't he? Let's see. Ah, there it is. Nav coordinates hidden in the glyphs. May I? All right, there you go. Uh, you go all logged in. Uh, then Vader traps him because in case he double tricks him, he's going to die with him. Uh, and so then he goes, uh, the, the assassin says, there, there, plug it into your nav systems. It'll show you the way to Exegol. Exegol, Vader says. So yeah, Vader's going to Exegol, which, love it or hate it, was the planet we saw at the end of Rise of Skywalker where mm. Palpatine was and all those the chorus of Sith people are. So this just got real interesting. Yeah, definitely, definitely business picked up there. Uh-huh. So for my picks, uh, you know what? I had Spider-Man on my list too. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Smart, smart move. Yeah, no, definitely enjoying the current run right now. Uh, so if I got to flip it into another Marvel pick... um. I'd want to pick up Eternals, but it's Eternals. I can't I can't do it willingly. I need to hear from our comic friends like Brian Wayne at Cheers to Comics, like our guys at Wednesday Poll List, Last Comic Shop. How is the new Eternals book? Comic Book Keepers, I know you listen to. Somebody needs to break this book down for me. Because right. I, I can't willingly. The cover looks great. Sure. You, I'm showing Pad right now. Oh, yeah. No, that's, that's, on there. that's cool. Yeah, but I, I can't do it, so I will go with the steady hand. Daredevil 27. There you go. So that'll be my pick for that. And flipping it to DC, I also want to talk to the comic readers about this one too. What is your take on DC Future State? I, I'm i still on the fence about it. I haven't checked any of it out. Just, yeah, not really. It, if it's going to be like a one and done here today, gone tomorrow type of thing, I'm not going to invest my time or money into it. Well, I know it's supposed to set up the next phase of the DC Comics U. So I, I got to really kind of hone in on something. 
But there is a book that was jumping out to me a little bit, and I'm showing Pad the cover right now. So I'll give my pick as Teen Titans number two. Yeah. Because Red X is on there. Ooh, I'm familiar with the character. Yes. So I'm going to go with that. Like, sure, I, I would yeah. normally say Tom King, Rorschach. Yeah. I, I'm going to wait for all that to come at one. Yeah. And, and get that on trade files. Like, that's what I'm kind of doing. But I'm also going to head down to my local comic shop and go check them out. So you should definitely do that, too, wherever you're at. Support your local comic shops and support your local indie comic podcasts. So, of course, you know we shout out the fam, Brian Wayne, Cheers to Comics. We shout out Comic Book Keepers, Crossover Collision, Last Comic Shop, Wednesday Pull List. Man, we shout out so many people. Because they're all good. So you all should get your comic fix from them. Any more directions? You can hit us up at OD Parlay Hour on Twitter. I'll point you in the right direction. So that all being said, though, the music you heard on this edition of the ODPH podcast is that a shout at the robots. They are huge comic book fans, too, by the way. So you should definitely hit up Julian and, and the team, and they will be able to break down some comic knowledge to you. Pad, where do you find out about them? OchoDuroParlayHour.com. Right on. You head on over to the music section. You go check out them. Second Suitor, Tom Jolu, Floodlands, Brian Wolf, former, well, I shouldn't say formerly of Fair City Fire. I know they're on hiatus right now. Uh, all the great music you hear on the ODPH can be found right on the music section. You can go over, check out the directory, which has Friends of the Show, Organizational Links, Important Black Lives Matter, all the amazing pod groups that we are in and pad. What is my rule? Uh, the one with the gold makes the rules. Damn it, man. No, that's not the rule. My uh-huh. rule is if you are in a pod group, and your group is not represented on Podchaser, I'm sorry, you're not in a group. So that being said, we want to shout out our friends and colleagues over at Pod Nation, the Legion Independent Podcast, Alternate Reality Radio, The Apocalypse, which I got to just say, I mean, I do a little self-plug for me and Brian Wayne. We did a hell of a draft class this past week. Okay. 12 new shows, I believe, have joined within the past month. Wow. And we did eight this past week. So definitely to the new members of the Apocalypse, thank you. Interact. Become involved. It's all one podcast community. Tell Ken how great US Agent is. Yeah, you want to do that for a conversation. I don't mind. I'll engage about that all day. I, I'm finding out more wrestling fans are in, are in our group, too. So that's going to be a definitely fun conversation. You can find out about all of them. And our friends at 8122 Productions. Shout out to Rich Ron. Hashtag Big Natty Cool. And Mike C., over at 8122 Productions, you can find out what's going on with them on the Patreon, patreon.com slash 8122 Productions. The Twitch channel, which we got more streams coming up to, uh, twitch.tv slash 67 podcast, T Public Store, TikTok, you name it, we got it at ochoduroparlayhour.com. Man, that's all I got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J, happy birthday to the maestro, the greatest musical composer of all time, John Williams, who turned 89 years young today. I thought you were about to talk about Trad Coger from uh, Nickelback. No, John Williams, the, uh, the man who has basically written the soundtrack of my life. Uh, Harry Potter, Indiana Jones, Jaws, Jurassic Park, uh, Star Wars, just to name a few. Not look at this photograph. Nope. Every time it makes me laugh. Nope. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. Darkness has crept into
little task at hand The making of a monster 